0: So much older than i that
1: now. Well if we mentioned some types of food that you eat all the time that are causing stress and strain on your body to the point where they're actually a threat to your health, wouldn't you want to do something about it? I'm Mark Middleton along with Bill Schaefer and on this edition of Growing Boulder, we're going to meet one of the pioneers of integrative medicine who says there are a whole new set of rules to follow when it comes to healthy aging. Dr. Frank Lipman will join us to talk about a most unlikely health scare that he suffered himself that turned out to be caused by the Healthy diets that he was on. He thought he was doing everything right until he was shocked to discover that he was pre diabetic. He'll explain why some of those popular diets out there that sound so healthy may actually be doing more harm than good.
2: Wow. And Mark, she was one of the first women photographers ever to work for National Geographic. Not only did she help break the gender barrier there, she brought women's issues to the forefront across six different continents. Annie Griffiths will tell us why, little by little, the desire to leave a positive, impactful legacy motivated her to take assignments other photographers weren't quite as interested in. In fact, she'll explain why she dedicated herself to using her talents behind the lens to focus in on bringing exposure to all sorts of AIDS organizations around the world. Ordinary people living extraordinary lives. This is Growing Bolder. Well, how you age is, and get this, how you age is in large part determined by what you eat. This is Growing Bolder. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton. And that statement is the focus of a very interesting book called the New Rules of Aging Well, a simple program for immune resistance that is causing a lot of people to rethink some of the things they thought were good and discovering that many of the things we blame on the fact that we're getting older may
1: not have anything to do with that at all. Bill, I'm going to add one thing to what you said. Uh, How we age is based a lot on what we eat, but also... What we think, I, I think it ties into this. There's a lot of ageist myths out there, and you know that's the business we're in, folks, busting the the myths. You know, if you have aches and pains, uh, that is not normal. It's not a normal part of aging. If you're feeling lethargic, that is not necessarily a normal part of aging. If you think you're doing fine with less sleep, well, that's not the result of getting older. And our next guest says you can do something about all of this stuff. Uh, this guy is the founder of the 1111 Wellness Center, which is in New York City. He's the chief medical officer uh, of the wellness club uh, that's called The Well. He is the author of six best-selling books, including uh, The New Rules of Aging Well, which is why we are anxious to talk to him because we want to hear what they are. Let's say hello to Dr. Frank Lipman. Doc, how you doing today?
3: Good. How are you guys?
1: Uh, we're doing great. I appreciate it. It's great to have you here. And your area of expertise is uh, integrative and functional medicine, which you call the good medicine, which makes me a little nervous because it implies that there is the bad medicine. Uh, what do you mean
3: by uh, the good medicine? I don't, call it, I don't call it the good medicine. I just call it good medicine. Got it. The thing is you combine Western medicine when it's appropriate for crisis care. If you're having a heart attack or acute pneumonia, or you burst your appendix, you break a bone, Western medicine is great. It's great for crisis care. But if you're tired and you can't poop and um, you've got a headache or you've got these low-grade chronic problems, Western medicine's not particularly helpful.
2: Now, you started to write this book, this amazing book on aging, and then the pandemic happened, and everybody started to wonder about our immune systems. As we get older, do they just weaken, or is that another one of those myths?
3: Well, yeah, I think you know, as we get older, things change. There's no question about that. And yes, our, our, our immune system does weaken to a certain extent, but that doesn't mean it has to weaken to a large extent. It's you know why it weakens is determined by uh, how we sleep, how we deal with stress, what we eat, when we eat, how kind we are to others, if we're holding on to resentment. Are uh, you were talking about earlier how you think? So all these factors affect how we age and affect our immune system.
1: You know, I think the pandemic has a lot of silver linings, if you will. Obviously, it's been been tragic. Uh, You know, it was a big pause in all of our lives. But as we begin to come out of it, there there's an exclamation point on many things. uh, And I think one of them is our overall health and well-being, uh, our overall commitment to aging well. And of course, your new book is called The New Rules of Aging Well. Uh, can, Can you share with us what some of those are? What have you learned during this research?
3: Well, probably one of the most important things is, you know, we all eat too much. You know, it's important what you eat, but uh, uh, how much we eat, especially in America, we eat too much food. And, and actually, a lot. Of, there's so much research showing that just eating fewer amount of calories in general is actually good for the aging process, uh, which makes sense because as we get older, Our capacity to repair cells and to get rid of cellular waste decreases. So the more you eat, the more cellular waste you're going to create. So it's just putting more strain on your body. The more you eat. So eating less is 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 quite important. And and that's why you know one of the reasons why I'm a huge fan of fasting, or intermittent fasting, or time restricted eating, because that's quite an easy way to just end up eating less when you're eating for a shorter period of time so for instance you know I haven't had breakfast yet it's, um, it's 11 o'clock my time so I, my, my first meal is usually around somewhere between 11 and 12 it's usually about 16 hours after I eat dinner and because of that I'll usually just have two meals a day so it's an easy way to to eat less by just doing intermittent fasting you tend to eat two meals rather than three meals
2: all right we're talking with dr frank lippman and and doctor you've just hit on one of the things about your book that really hit home to me it wasn't like you are uh, on this uh, mount on high delivering a sermon to the rest of us you're right in there with us i mean even you had a journey of discovery you a guy who always ate as healthy as you could Suddenly, found that you were pre-diabetic. I, I mean, how is that possible? What did you learn from that?
3: Well, I learned quite a lot. I, you know, I learned not to believe what I, you know, what I thought was correct. Um, you know, I grew up in South Africa eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, and then I became this holistic doctor, thinking that red meat was bad and <clears throat> you need to eat a lot of grains. And you know, I was sort of mainly pescatarian um and in about well, i can't remember how long ago probably about 15 years ago um when i did my bloods i realized my blood sugar was high and i was pre-diabetic and uh i just realized I was eating too many grains and too, many, too much fruit for what my body could metabolize you know as we get older our capacity to metabolize carbohydrates decreases and for me, obviously, it's a genetic thing. There's, I have a genetic predisposition. That was a case, so I started eating red meat again, and you know, I became more of a paleo type of eater. And uh, my blood sugars resolved, you know, back to normal. I lost weight, and I felt much better. So, um, you know, everyone's there's no one right diet for everyone. But then I realized that you know, I needed to to eat, you know, much fewer carbs. And now as I've gotten older, now that I'm 66 and I, when I did research on the book, uh, you know, I, I came to realize that eating too much animal protein may not be good for the longevity gene. So I'm still sort of paleo, but I eat just a, a, you know a little bit less of animal protein.
1: Dr. Frank Lipman has written a provocative new book, uh, The New Rules of uh, Aging Well. And, and, Doc, I think you partially answered one of my frustrations. I'm always bothered by the fact that the medical community will tell us uh, coffee is good, coffee is bad, dairy is good, dairy is bad, red meat yeah. is good, red, on and on and on. Uh, we are not bio-identical. We are all individuals. Uh, but that said, how can we find out what's good for us short of genetic testing. Is there a way for us to figure out, is it just by trial and error, what works? Well,
3: as you point out, I think genetic testing testing is extremely helpful. I think blood testing is extremely helpful. I think testing can be helpful, but ultimately one really needs to listen to to one's body which you know most of us find very difficult if you're driving your car and the oil light goes on you don't put a bandaid over the oil light you see why the oil light goes on so if you're starting to have symptoms in your body which happens as you get older you've got to see why you're having those symptoms why is that oil light going on um, and you've got to. so this is what You know, you asked what we mentioned functional medicine in the beginning. Functional medicine looks at what are the underlying causes of why you present with problems. So, yes, I think genetic testing is helpful. Blood testing is helpful. But ultimately, you've got to look at what you're eating, how you're sleeping, how you're dealing with stress, um, how you're moving your body. All these factors are going to affect how you feel.
2: Well, really, that's no fun at all. I mean, don't you have a pill that'll take care of it for us instead of us actually having to do something? I mean, it's it's a joke, but it's a great point because it seems that the next model of medicine is going to center around us. We're going to be, you know, wearing our watches, using our technology yeah, and apps absolutely. to monitor our own health.
3: I think that is the next frontier of medicine, this combination of um, self-monitoring. For instance, I wear my Oura ring and... Uh, you know, I monitor my sleep. I mean, I think you've got to be careful not becoming too obsessed, but I think self-monitoring is very important. And uh, even a lot of the blood testing, genetic testing, poop testing, a lot of this, you're going to start getting more and more of these tests. To, you know, you're going to be able to do them at home. So I do think that's the next frontier, this real personalized medicine where you are actually in charge of your own health.
2: You're listening to the man considered to be one of the pioneers of integrative medicine, Dr. Frank Lippman, talking about how more and more we will all take charge of our own health. And when we come back, we're going to ask him what we can start doing right now. What changes to make in our diets that can make a big difference in our health? This
1: is Growing Boulder. Support
2: for Growing Boulder provided by
1: Calibrate. People who can't lose weight are often focused on willpower instead of biology. The Calibrate Metabolic Reset combines GLP-1 medication, one-on-one video coaching, and a holistic curriculum to help members lose 15% of their body weight on average. And Calibrate guarantees results. More information at joincalibrate.com.
2: You're listening to Growing Boulder. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton. And we're going to continue now with a fascinating conversation about what our guest believes are the new rules, the new rules of healthy aging. Dr. Frank Lipman's one of the leaders in the field of integrative medicine, and he has some practical information that can help us all. Here's Mark.
1: And Dr. Lipman, understanding that we are all individuals and there may not be anything that's really good or really bad for, for, for any of us. Uh, is there one thing that you can tell us we should all be eating more of? Uh, and is there one thing that you can say with certainty we should not be eating?
3: Yeah, sugar and starches. Yeah, you sh- no one should be eating, you know. Look, sugar should be, a, it's like a drug. It's just, you know, you can, if you wanna dabble with drugs, that's fine, but just dabble with it. So as little sugar as possible, as few starches as possible, that's for most people. In terms of what we all, sh- you know, and then I would say, you know, vegetable oils, what we cook with are probably almost as bad as sugar, but we can get into that uh, <clears throat> if you want to. And then what should we all be eating? Um, probably lots of leafy greens. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of bone broth. Um it's not so much one thing it's it's probably more important um what you should be avoiding than what you should be eating well actually if i had to choose one thing everyone should eat would be um eating the stalks and stems of your vegetables because we most of us cut that away um, and the stalks and the stems are not only feeding us but they're actually feeding our bacteria they what we call prebiotics they feed the good bacteria and that's really important. you got to think of not only what you feed yourself, but what you feed your bacteria in your gut.
1: All great stuff. Uh, if I may, Doc, I want to go back to what you mentioned before. Uh, in your last answer, you started talking about bacteria in the gut. Uh, you know, it's almost become a buzzword lately, our microbiome. Uh, Everybody talks about it. Everybody writes about it. I think most people don't really understand what it is, how important it is, and how we can optimize it. Can you talk just a little bit about our microbiome and, and, and how it informs our health?
3: Sure. So the microbiome is really this collection of trillions of bacteria that live in and on us. And the most important microbiome is in our gut. Although we have in our mouth, our armpits, Women in their vaginal areas, they're all over our bodies on our skin. But the gut microbiome is is really key because if you think about it, the gut um and your gut lining is your internal barrier to the external world, it's your barrier to all the food that you're eating. And like the skin on the outside, this this lining of your gut protects you from this outside world. And it's the microbiome which is is is. Um, sort of part of what's protecting this very thin lining, which is protecting you from the outside world so this um, the the composition of your microbiome is really key to your health, so apart from protecting your gut lining or which will protect you from inflammation, which is one of the main factors of of aging the microbiome makes vitamins, it can make hormones, it makes um neurochemicals, you know for instance there's there are more um, neurochemicals, neurochemicals like serotonin, which is a happy chemical. There's more of that made in your gut than in your brain. So this gut and the microbiome is also called the second brain. So this gut um, is not only protecting this microbiome, not only protecting you from the outside world, it's part of the second brain, which is probably as important as your what we think of as a brain and it's important to remember that 70% of your immune system is in and around your gut so you know the composition of your microbiome is really key to your health and, and aging in particular
2: But this is great. We can, we can hear the passion coming from you and it's nice to talk to a physician who's, who's excited about the information that he has to disseminate. And these are, these are great specifics. I want to back out just a little bit because we talked a lot. Mark mentioned off the top that. Aches and pains, things that we assume, and at least, doctor, that we're, we're similar age. and we were growing up, we thought that, man, getting old, that's the worst. You know, you're going to sit in a chair when you're 50 and wait around to die. It's not that way, is it? Aches and pains are not normal. Uh, feeling lethargic is not normal. The things we associate with growing old. So as you've moved into this demographic with the rest of us, what is your outlook towards aging? <sighs>
3: Well, you know, now I have a grandson. I want to stay as as healthy and vital as, as long as possible. I mean, my outlook is it's not about prolonging your lifespan, which is important, but it's about prolonging your health span, how long you stay healthy and vital. So I want to, you know, stay healthy and vital till my 90s, 100, or whenever it is, and then maybe take a week or whatever and drop dead. So it's about staying vital and healthy and enjoying your life as much as you can um, every day of your life. So it's not that things don't change. Sure, you know, the way I exercise has changed. I don't run anymore because I, you know, I screwed up my knee, I ride my bike. Um, I take, you know, I, I, I take um, more care of, of for instance, I, I'll sauna more often. Um, I'll stretch more often. I just take a little bit more care of my body. Uh, I pay more attention to my sleep. I don 't take things as for granted as I used to, and I think the important the other important thing as you get older um, and it's really happened to me I think you you start realizing the importance of community of um, not holding on to resentment and being angry um, being grateful for for what you have being kind to others being kind to yourself so these intangibles become even more Um, I think, important and and meaningful in in one's life. But, uh, you know, I think it's important for people to realize it's not that things don't change as you get older. That's normal to age. But how well you age and the speed of aging is determined by how you live your life.
1: Well, your book is called uh, The New Rules of Aging Well, Dr. Littman. But I got to tell you, you are right now preaching from the book of Boulder because this is what Bill and I talk about every day. Health span, compressing our morbidity, uh, the importance of staying socially connected as we age. Uh, I can't tell you how grateful we are for people like you in the medical profession who are lifelong learners, who are not only repeating what they learned in a textbook 30 years ago, but are continuing to to grow and absorb and share with the rest of us. So, so I guess the, the, the big question is, you know, from your seat, and, and maybe not just specific to diet or exercise or anything else, what makes for a life well-lived? What's the moral of the story? What should we all know about creating a life of significance?
3: Yeah, I mean, what I've realized, and also just from observing thousands and thousands of my patients, you know, I've been a physician for over 40 years now, I think the people who age the best, I mean, yes, it's about, you know, eating and, and moving their bodies and um, sleeping, etc. But people who have meaning in their life, people who are passionate about something, and the meaning in their life can be some huge, you know, changing the world, but it can also just be spending time with their family. So I think people who who wake up in the morning and feel like um, there's some meaning, they feel good about and, and passionate about what they're doing, I think those are probably more important than what we eat and how we exercise. Not that I'm saying those aren't important. I just want to thank you guys for doing this work. I mean, I think a lot of this is just common sense. This is not medical. You know, sure, we're now finding out about the longevity genes and how you can influence them. But a lot of this, a lot of what I practice and, and what I do for myself and my patients come from comes from common sense and just old ancient wisdom. So it's about using, uh, you know, common sense, ancient wisdom, and then, you know, mixing that with a lot of what we're learning now from new research on longevity genes and 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 how we can age well. And and a lot of it comes back to those old things we learned um, from, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago.
2: This has been such a fantastic conversation. And it's, it's also a kind of apparent that The greater our technology gets, the more research and discoveries that we make, the more, just like Dr. Lippmann says, the more we realize that it is the things that we already know. You've got to live a healthy life, a vibrant life. You've got to be optimistic, positive. You've got to take care of yourself. You don't overeat. You don't under-exercise. You just be active and be vital and those are the kind of things that are included in this book it's called the new rules of aging and if you'd like to learn more about it or find out more about our guest because his story is fascinating there's a whole different side we could touch on as well we'd love to have him back again but you could find all that out at dr frank lipman and mark what a great guest i mean it, it, to, to me the the overarching message there is you are not predetermined to follow your genetics. If you live well and live right, your wellness level can pretty much stretch almost your entire lifespan.
1: You're talking about epigenetics now, Bill, and and I'll bet uh, the the doctor mentions that, and and we can certainly get him back. But uh, but yeah, it, you know it, it is really really great that there are are people out there like Dr. Frank Lipman, who, um, you know, we often say here at Growing Boulder, folks that, uh, you know, who's your primary care physician? It's you. Um, you, you know, uh, we, we've we got to prescribe healthy lifestyle to ourselves, and then we have to act upon it. And, you know, this is a guy who is, he is like he said, it's common sense, but he's got the the academic credential bill the the research credentials that, that that we don't we share what we learn from real people that are living these kind of lives he's sharing what he has learned from research and studies and everything else and you know when the two come together it makes a very compelling argument
2: and I, and i love that he came with specifics mark i mean he had really good useful information but again backing out for me i, I i'm not sure how it is for you in your life but i hear so many people and i find myself falling into the trap as well of thinking, well, gee, I, I should find a supplement so my knee doesn't hurt as much, or I should uh, take a pill so I, my mood is increased or I feel a little better, when we can, we can increase our wellness, we can increase our vitality by what we eat and how we live. I mean, it's almost, you know, we're not even conditioned to think like that.
1: One of my takeaways, Bill, is I'm going to go get an advanced lipid profile. Uh, I wanted to do that for a while. And I have been fascinated, and I think you can get taken advantage of. There are companies out there now that will, based upon some genetic or blood testing, will you know, fabricate for you and deliver to you vitamins that are specific for you. So, you know, to your point, you're not just taking, you know, water soluble vitamins that you don't need that need that you're just going to, you know, uh, excrete later in the day. It would be really cool. I I love the fact that they could figure out what I need as a uh, as an individual and then deliver it to me. It's really exciting.
2: You, you've done a lot of reading about the longevity gene. He mentioned that. I, I don't know much about that. Is that the, the telomeres thing, Mark, that you talk about many times in your in your public speaking?
1: Well, you know, I, I think we could be talking about different things, but 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 yes, telomeres are the caps on the ends of our chromosome, and they've been likened to a biological clock. They all shorten as we get older, but you know what we have learned uh, through a lot of research is that. Uh, our lifestyle uh, to a large extent can slow the the shortening of our telomeres. Some people now say that, you know, we can actually lengthen them. I'm not sure that that has been proven, but, uh, you know, it has been proven that, uh, you know, even at a genetic level, our cells are listening to our thoughts. Uh, you know, we need to think good things. We have to believe that more is possible. We, it, it's so easy to buy into the ageist, uh, messages of our culture that we all but guarantee that we will, in fact, embrace the the negative ageist stereotypes that are everywhere. So um, uh, yeah, it, it, it is great to know that more is possible, but but we have to believe it. We have to internalize it. And you know what is really interesting to me, if you really want get, to get out in, into the wild kind of stuff, it, is that you can change your genetics by the way that you think. So if you believe and you think that more is possible, you know, what a legacy that you're leaving for your grandkids because ultimately, generation after generation, if we can believe that more is possible, we're passing that on uh, you know, through our thoughts to our, to our ancestors uh, or, or to our, uh, you know, our future uh, ancestors, which I think is really cool.
2: Well, this is, this is, a, this is a great conversation. To everybody, no matter where you are in life or what you're doing. And unfortunately, it's a kind of conversation you don't hear every day, but you should. So Frank Lippmann, I mean, he came, he came to help people. He wasn't just selling a book. He had tips and a philosophy and a point of view. And, and Mark, to be able to expand on this, this is what we do here at Growing Boulder, folks. And, and please let uh, friends of yours and people you care about know about this program and these interviews because it's, it's a conversation that we all need to have great information from Dr. Frank Lipman on how we all can make the rest of our life the best of our life.
1: Coming up, she broke the gender barrier by becoming one of the first female photographers at National Geographic, but she didn't stop there. Annie Griffiths will explain why it wasn't enough to just crack the door a little bit and what she's doing for nonprofit organizations around the world to kick it wide open.
2: Support for Growing Boulder provided by The Center for Health and Well-Being, now open in Winter Park. Wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location, offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at GrowingBolder.com.
1: Most of us have extremely limiting beliefs when it comes to growing older. That's a problem because our belief system controls our behavior and to a large degree determines our future. Our challenge is made even more difficult by the fact that we're also battling social norms, which are even more powerful than personal beliefs that shaping our behavior. Social norms are the unwritten rules about how we're supposed to act. They're the conformity police providing constant cues for age-appropriate behavior. Even if we believe that aging in a certain way is possible, we likely won't act on that belief if it violates social norms. Surprisingly, those who enforce social norms on older people are most often older people themselves. Peer pressure never retires nor expires. It typically grows stronger as we age. Most of our peers not only want us to conform, they need us to conform. When we don't, we challenge their belief systems and their behaviors which makes them uncomfortable. Growing bolder is about breaking nearly all of the social norms that are related to aging because there is no such thing as age appropriate behavior. It's about removing the accepted limits of possibility which becomes more difficult as we grow older.
2: I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Bolder. Did you ever try to do something, you know, go somewhere where it just felt right? I mean, so much so that you knew it's what you wanted to do or that that's where you wanted to be. Well, from the moment our next guest picked up a camera, something happened. It was like a realization, a clarity, a sense of purpose was born.
1: Yeah, and that's a big deal, Bill, because as we've learned, it's a sense of purpose that keeps us alive as we age. And and the passion for what was to become an amazing career was ignited. She was one of the very first female photographers hired by National Geographic, where she's worked for over 40 years. Uh, It's taken her on amazing adventures, I think over 150 countries and counting. And today she is so driven uh, and so inspired uh, that she is the author of four different books, one of the creators of ripple effect images dedicated to making a difference for women in their developing world. Let's say hello, because we're excited to do so, to Annie Griffiths. Hey, Annie, how are you?
4: I'm great, thank you. Nice to be with you. Well, We
1: understand, we understand you just came out of the garden. Uh, that's got to make you feel good. Nothing like gardening, is there? <laughs>
4: You know, I I have never been more pleased to see spring. Uh, You know, I think we've all been through a rough year, and just getting your hands dirty and watching things come to life, it's it's just renewing.
1: We all need a sense of rebirth this year for sure. Let me ask you this. uh, Didn't you realize all those years ago, didn't you get the ageist messaging that it was okay for a woman to be a a photographer, but photojournalism, uh uh-uh, stay away from that?
4: (laughs) You know I I don't remember feeling that way but I do remember that there were very few women photographers and and that didn't bother me um I just fell in love with photography and realized that it was just another way to tell stories because I'd always been a writer so uh but it, I had no idea what a what a rare opportunity this was. Um, I just loved it and pursued it.
2: Well, you mentioned there that you had always loved writing, and I think that probably surprises a lot of people, especially to hear that when you first picked up that Canon camera, is it, like we said at the beginning, did you really have one of those aha moments?
4: You know, I still, I wish I could have that original camera, Um, but what really... What really happened was that I felt this deep happiness and um, joy in getting lost looking for images and looking for visual stories. And that feeling has never left me. It's, uh, It's just as exciting to me today as it was in college.
1: And speaking of the the old days, you were just 25 years old when you started uh, at Nat Geo. And I understand that somebody pulled you aside back then and said, you are knee-deep in talent, but only ankle-deep in ideas. Uh, What did that... That's a great
4: quote. That's from the most wonderful director of photography, Bob Gilka. He didn't say that to me. He said it to the whole group of photographers. We were all gathered. And, um, you know, he, he just... He, he didn't want people to be cocky and think, oh, I'm just so talented. I can do anything. And so he reminded them that uh, journalists have to have ideas and have to have stories worth pursuing. And that's what he said. Is he said, I'm knee deep in talent. And I'm ankle deep in ideas.
1: We're talking with uh, Annie Griffiths, who was one of the first women ever hired by the National Geographic uh, as a photographer. Uh, Annie, tell us about ripple effect images. Uh, what are you trying to do here?
4: Well, Ripple Effect Images is a, uh, a nonprofit that I founded 10 years ago, and it was because I had the privilege of working with women all over the world and in a lot of very poor areas, and I recognized that they were misunderstood and uh, stereotyped as we stereotype so many different groups of people. And that the Western world really did not understand that they were the lifeblood of every community and that they were strong and smart and um, resourceful and, uh, and they were the ones keeping families alive. Uh, so I, I just decided at one point to stop whining about it and start covering it. And so I, um, I called my girlfriends who are some of the best photographers in the world. And I said, let's learn from these women the way they survive is that they work together so if we work together and it's a shared approach surely we can you know uh, make a bigger impact and they all said yes so we started ripple effect images and um, it's been the joy joy of my life uh, you know to have be able to give back to these communities who've been so warm and lovely and generous to me. And most of them, of course, have never heard of National Geographic. They're just literally being just being kind to this oddball who drops into their world.
1: Annie, you are a perfect example of, uh, you know, the value of travel, of all the many adventures that you've had, the experiences that you've enjoyed. Is there anything that stands out that was maybe most impactful for you?
4: Well, probably, you know, I spent a lot of time photographing in the Middle East and um, the Middle East is, uh, you know, complex and confusing to so many people. And it, too, suffers from massive coverage of certain things, mostly tragic and very little coverage of, uh, you know, the culture itself. Uh, So. You know, having the ability to work for about five years on and off in the Middle East and take my children there and and, and live there and really um, immerse myself in this primarily Bedouin culture, but um, basically the Arab culture, uh, I felt a responsibility to try to help Westerners better understand um, it's all about humanizing people. Honestly, if you boil it down to its, you know, the basics, it's all about humanizing other cultures so that we understand that we're more receptive, that we're less likely to stereotype, and most importantly, we're less likely to be afraid.
2: Hmm. Humanizing other cultures—it's so interesting that that comes from you because I know that you also speak a lot. And you'll even do workshops. Yeah. And, and one of the topics that you do that, that really hits home is helping people think about legacy. Think about mm-hmm. how they want to be remembered, what they want to do. Where did that come from? And, and what do you try to communicate? What do you tell people about that?
4: Well, it came from my realization that um, my generation, and certainly my mom's generation, women didn't very often even think about legacy about what they're leaving behind apart from their kids and their grandkids. And, um, and I realized that so many people get to, you know, sort of the last chapter of their life and really want to have something important to give back. And so by, by, you know, rephrasing it as legacy, um, when I speak, I, I really encourage people to take a look at the skills they have. You know, when you break my skills down, I take pictures. I take good pictures. Um, and I learned that those pictures could do a whole lot of good in the world. Um, but every one of us, if we take a look, if you know, if you're an accountant do you know how many nonprofits are desperate for help with with bookkeeping and in uh, business side of things? If you're you know, if you're a, a, if you work in a high school cafeteria, you know how to feed people, you know, get on board with with Feeding America or, or something else. If you love cats and dogs, um, you know, do something to to help promote them, their adoption and, and healthy care. It, it's like anything you actually really care about anything that flips your switch if you can find a way to become part of it that will be a legacy that's really going to make your kids proud
1: important stuff any uh, my final question are you excited about what lies ahead uh, are you, you energized I, always i just I, i'm
4: chomping at the bit to get out in the world again it's been actually a really lovely time with my with my kids and my grandkids but um, I can't wait to get going again because this world is so interesting and I think at at the core of every interesting person is a basic curiosity of wanting to know more wanting to learn more wanting to be um, be on fire uh, for for new experiences and they don't have you don't have to climb a mountain to satisfy that it's just more like even in within your own community.
2: Uh, Annie, before we let you go, we, we've just got to ask you, from all of your experiences, what do you wish we could all understand about life?
4: Oh, that's a really big question. I guess I wish we could understand that the less we fear, the more we will achieve and the more we will understand. Because I think, the sad things in the world, if you break them down, they all lead to fear. And um, the more you're fearless, you know, it's just like getting on the bus for kindergarten. And your parents are sitting there with their heart in their throat and think, oh, my gosh, how could I let her go? Um, but we can continue to get on buses our entire lives. And every time you do it, you'll become a more confident, more knowledgeable, uh, and more kind, I think, an empathetic human being.
2: Wow. Annie Griffith, thank you for bringing the world a little closer to all of us. And folks, if you'd like to learn more about Annie Griffiths, check out the website, rippleeffectimages.org, our thanks to Annie Griffith. And Mark, wasn't that interesting? I mean, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, when you have that camera in your hand it's, it's, and you use it right It's almost like an X-ray machine because you see more than the scene. I mean, you're immersed in an environment and you reveal things that a lot of us just walk right past.
1: Well, you know, Bill. First of all, thank you for bringing Annie, uh, you know, here for an interview. Uh, because she's really what we talk about. I think she would be the first to admit she is an ordinary person, but she is living an extraordinary life, which is something that is achievable for all of us. She has a sense of purpose. Uh, she has a passion. And, you know, that's something that if we can find that for ourselves. And uh, and finally, she's got an incredible sense of growing bolder. We say it's time to start growing bolder. She says that uh, the less we fear, the more we will achieve. Uh, you know, we're... we're we're singing from the same hymnal. And, uh, you know, it's just so great to hear people say the same thing in different ways, because somehow it, it has the ability to penetrate more people. So yeah, she was amazing.
2: Yeah, I, I think the key takeaway, too, from her is that all of these things that she talked about, they're around us all. We, they're, they're in all of our lives. They touch us, but sometimes we don't see it. We're busy, we're on our way to work. We don't look at what's going on in our community. We don't talk to our families as much as we should, our extended families. We're not concerned about the guy on the street as we should be, but if we take a moment to really look and to really see and to let fear subside, that's when we become who it is we really wanna be.
1: And I think maybe one of the most important things that that she and others like her uh, do, Bill, is you know, from firsthand experience spread the message that we should all hear and we should all understand. And and that is that we are all one. And it really takes, you know, seeing other people uh, in different situations that are as, uh, as as remote and disparate from where we live to, to truly understand that, you know, we all have the same fears, the same desires, the same needs. And, you know, until we can figure that out, until we can learn that lesson and live that lesson, uh, you know, we're going to experience more trouble and more pain in this culture. So, uh, you know, it, it's really an important voice that she has.
2: It's a great point, Mark, and an excellent interview that was about far more than we ever expected from Annie Griffith. When we come back, some tips on saving for retirement, and we'll find out what's on Mark's mind. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-Being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at CrosbyWellnessCenter.org. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. Welcome back to Growing Boulder. My favorite part of the program,
1: Mark, when we get to find out what is on your mind. Man, that's a lot of pressure. I, I tell you what's on my mind today, Bill, is something that I've decided to quit tiptoeing around. And that is the fact that we have all got to get off of our and and start working out and doing stuff. You know, we announced a deal recently, folks, with the National Senior Games because we want to lead a grassroots movement with the emphasis on Movement. Uh, it, it just amazes me that despite the countless irrefutable studies on the many benefits of exercise, 35% of all U.S. adults don't exercise at all, and only 15% of us are sufficiently active. And, you know, of course, one of the issues, Bill, is ageism uh, in the culture and the healthcare system. We've all been told. And we believe that we're too old for vigorous exercise, so doctors even routinely will prescribe medicine ahead of lifestyle modification. And it's getting worse and worse. I read something recently that... In the U.S., childhood obesity has now tripled since the 1970s. Uh, 14% of all kids 2 to 5 are now obese. And for adults, it's even worse. 44% of all U.S. adults are obese. And, of course, it's mostly from our sedentary lifestyle, which leads directly to cardiovascular disease, diabetes, colon cancer, osteoporosis, on and on and on. So, you know, this is... my, my new soapbox today, uh, and, and here's my new a- attempt that I've been thinking about, Bill, to get people's attention relative to this issue. Uh, a survey just came out that said the new number one fear of all adults, the fear that surpasses death itself, the fear that surpasses dementia or running out of money, is losing our independence and ending up in a nursing home, which I certainly can understand uh, coming out of the pandemic. So we all got to get moving.
2: We all know it. You're not surprising anybody for hearing it. But, you know, and, and if you could take the benefits that come from activity and if you could put that in a supplement and buy an infomercial on TV, <laughs> you would sell out. We love to take the hot pill, the next new thing. But when it comes to activity, and I'm guilty of this, too, Mark, here's a good example. I, I have a gym membership. I go all the time, right? But I I hurt my knee. It's just sore. It aches. And, it you know, it hurts coming up the steps to come to work here. So what did I do? I figure, well, I should stop going to the gym. Yeah. It's our mindset.
1: It's backwards. No, that means I need to go even more. So how do we flip that? How do we change that? You know, I, you make a great point. Motion is lotion. We have to keep moving even when it's painful to some extent. So, folks, check with your doctor. Get moving. But how do we change it, Bill? I don't know. Again, my new deal is you don't want to wind up in a nursing home. You've got to maintain your independence as long as you can, and that means mobile. And you know where you get that motivation? You get it by being around people who think the same way you
2: do, and that's what Growing Boulder is. It's a tribe. It's a safe place to come to be motivated to be the best you you can be. Check us out at growingbolder.com, and we'll see you again soon. The Growing Boulder Radio Show is a production of Growing Boulder LLC. All rights reserved. This program was recorded at Growing Boulder Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nanis. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member, you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day.
0: Crimson flames tied through my ears, Going high and mighty traps. Countless fire and flaming road, Using ideas as my maps. We'll meet our edges soon, said I. Stay.